This time on TNT. A deep dive on Genesis. Is it any fun being an illegal alien? My brother Jet sent me some pictures of some tough guys in Barry on Bayfield Street. And the Torrance family's growing again. That's all coming up right now on TNT. Illegal Alien by Genesis here. First of all, you. First of all, you claim to have never heard this song. How's that possible? I I think because of this album, I don't. I only know the singles. This was a huge single. Okay, you need must to stop have been, the song for a second. Because it must have been. It must have been deep for me because I don't. Uh, I really don't remember. Like, because this was like when they, they, it was kind of their first commercial kind of sounding record in a sense, right? Was this the first one without Peter Gabriel? I feel like it or is. is. This- Genesis, Genesis, and it's just come back out remastered. I was going for a drive the other day and this song came on on shuffle and there's so much going on, starting with, can you cue it back to the start? Listen to the tape rewind sound effect that leads us into it this is not a song you would record today so hit go from the start okay like honking horns and dinging bells and then some rewinding tape but i was thinking when i first heard it the other day i was thinking it would make you happy because the drumming is pretty tight well, the drumming's always tight, but I mean, that melody off the top with that little keyboard <laughs> is really not cool at all. <laughs> okay, so the song is obviously about an illegal alien. Listen to the accent work that Phil Collins drops oh, into his performance I, I of know. it. Yeah, to be honest, like it's not, uh, it's not the best song in a lot of different ways. It's kind of like, why you guys try to do this? You don't need to play a character. It the song also is not strong enough to survive. Okay, this is the bridge, and then we're about to come into the chorus. <laughs> Here's the chorus right here. No oh, man, it's no fun being an illegal alien. So here's okay. Stop. So the it's song kind of like I guess. I'm guessing this is kind of a police vibes. They're trying to get the police thunder. Because at this time, it's 83, and the police are pretty much the biggest thing in the world. And this was this is the record that brought Genesis into stadiums themselves, I would assume, because they were massive. They were, they were big, but like they started to become more commercially like on the radio and stuff. Like You didn't hear Selling England by the Pound with the, the Gabriel days on radio but once phil hit the mic they went really they kind of softened the whole vibe of the band and became more of a, of a hit factory well they were this record had a whole bunch of hits and i ended up listening to it start to finish and there are a lot of great songs on it like it's gonna get oh, better so that's why home okay. by the sea yeah. 
Yeah, um, Mama is, is a classic. Like, that's a great jam. That's a great jam. So is Taking It All Too Hard? It's nothing It's not, It's not. nothing like uh, the, the Gabriel stuff. That's the thing. It's a real different uh, thing. And the fact that they completely turned, in a sense, to the point where I don't know if even they had the same fans in the 80s as they did in the 70s and, the, you know what I mean, the, the Gabriel days. The thing that I find fascinating about this song is that, and I, I don't know if it's a flagrant mistake or a choice or what it is, but the verses don't rhyme at all. So it's no. it's kind of displeasing to the ear. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a tiff. Well, I mean, because of the, the like the bridge and stuff, I gotta take it. How do I get to the, uh... Wallet on my passport, a new pair of shoes. Yeah, like, this what is kind like of vocal accent. is that? <laughs> Wait till he says cigarettes. Now they got gang vox, like, kind of like the chills. Is the crazy bridge coming up? Just let it ride. Like, what is the message of the song? It's no fun being an illegal alien. Okay, listen to this verse right here. Oh yeah, this is the breakdown. This isn't, uh, really. So back in the day when there were, like, talking parts and songs, before there was, like, looping and playback, would they perform those live? I don't know, maybe they'd play the tape of that stupid sample of people and then talking. It sounds like literally them making up conversations about stuff. Listen to it's this. It's just bad. Yeah. Accent work. It's really, really bad. It's with the, they have electronic uh, steel drums in the background there too while he's doing that voice. Like that's just not cool whatsoever. I know. <laughs> so the story is, if I'm tracking, I think it's someone from Mexico <clears throat> wanting to come to the states. Suspicion. Yeah, like that. Uh, this is really crap. It's so bad. <laughs> but the the steel drums would suggest it's not Mexico, wouldn't it? No, it's because he's doing a Jamaican accent, sounding like. Or is my assumption with the way he's trying to sing it? I don't know. It's really uh. It's. Poor taste on all fronts. Did you hear the last Did couplet? we get to the bridge yet? How long is this? The last couplet is, I've got a sister who'd be willing to oblige. She's willing to do anything to help me get to the inside. He's offering yeah, up his what? sister? I'll tell you. It's no fun being an illegal alien. That's what it says here. Look. <laughs> I'll tell you. 
Is is there how long is this song? Seventy minutes. Oh, they break it down too. Okay, so Phil Collins is getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. At the last minute, they say, Jeremy, can you drum for him? But we're going to do Illegal Alien. What would you say? I don't think they would do that song ever. I don't probably doesn't do that bit. That's like a just let it go bit. Pretend it didn't happen. That's probably what he's doing with Illegal Alien. That's terrible. Is that a gag-infused eighties riff? I'm glad. I've, I'm glad I've never heard it. But man, I, to be uh, <laughs> must have been tough being Peter Gabriel piecing out right, and then them doing it something so different musically. And then, it could have been before this, but whatever they to transition to to uh, Phil Collins, it, they they. Uh, it, you'd think it would kind of almost dissolve most of the time. That would dissolve when you're front man, and not it's not your typical front man. Peter Gabriel was dressing up in costumes every night, and it was really a, a vibe going to see them. He was a super duper front man, and then the drummer comes out, basically wearing the same thing he's wearing when he was playing the drums, uh-huh. with no costume at all little guy and he's just ripping it like he sings great but all of a sudden the jams are like stadium encore jams and they had some good moments of the same stuff from their past but wow what a what a uh like to be peter gabriel he was probably thinking one thing and went the other way because i'm sure he left for some reason right like not feeling it i don't know much about it like did phil collins and peter gabriel's time there overlap well, yeah, because Phil was drumming, just drumming. And he had never sang before in any band. So he's like, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and it's <laughs> like, oh, okay. They just started crushing it and going into like the biggest songs. And then his own solo career was so big, he was doing stadiums by himself. <laughs> like Mike and the Mechanics Mask had to yeah. obviously side with Phil Collins and be like, yeah, let's... <laughs> Go Let's mainstream do pop. Once. Just follow the little dude. <laughs> they had so much like, like musical if, credibility, <laughs> and it was just shot. Yeah, like I just 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 to show the difference of where they went and what happened. Like if you go back to like uh, like for oh no sorry here's a good one like lamb lies down on broad on uh broadway is like a classic with peter gabriel just like crushing it mm-hmm. i mean they are so influential like a band like rush was hugely influenced by genesis really definitely yeah the way that they would draw stuff out and the way that they played phil collins as a drummer was probably neil pert's biggest Influence, like he he lo- he loved Phil Collins so much, and you can hear it in Neil Peart's playing. The influence wow. of Phil Collins for sure. And then they started doing "I Can't Dance" and "Jesus He Knows Me." Yeah. Like, it's just completely different. Oh, 
so different. Really great. Uh, like, I love that stuff as a drummer growing up. But then to go from that to, yeah, like, Jesus, he knows me is a classic. Like, what? what? Or, uh, uh, yeah, I Can't Dance might be the the best one to play. That might be the bottom of the barrel. Well, because remember the video? Like, if you just picture Lamb Lies Down in Broadway, Peter Gabriel basically, like, invented crowd surfing. He'd go out, out on the crowd, and, like, it was a a real experience to see Genesis. But, uh, and then th- th- that video of I Can't Dance, where they're all just <laughs> standing there and doing the dancing. In 80s suits. <laughs> <laughs> Collins took over as lead singer and the group released A Trick of the Tail and Wind and Water. comes. And there's still like the drum pattern is like weird sounds like bottles and cans and even like a cheesy dinging cup sound. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's some... <laughs> right into the chorus. Wow. Like, yeah. what are the circumstances <laughs> under which you're listening to that song? Like, no, you know what, I just lit the barbecue, but... I'm going to put I Can't Dance on. Like, I'm going to get in the hot tub and fire up I Can't Dance. Is that... I mean that's probably the one there. I'm well. I'm my and his solo stuff was pretty. Had some cheesy moments. Like my mom actually crashed her car, had a car crash in the '80s, and her biggest issue with it was uh, that it was a Phil Collins song, and it, and she couldn't turn off the radio, and she was stuck in the car. <laughs> what song? It was the uh, when I'm feeling blue. Uh, no, yeah, it was groovy. It was groovy. Was it? Low. No. Yes, yes. She was like, I would have turned it, but I just like accident happened, and I was stuck, and I had to hear it. That's so dark. <laughs> You're trapped in a car, and that song's on the radio. <laughs> Anytime you want to, you can turn me on to. That was a cover, right? You know right? what that? Because yeah, because because oh here it is, but because uh, he probably made so he made so much money. He, he made so much money on the. Take a look at me now. Yeah, he did. Right, but that's a banger. <laughs> It the is, but a it's still a movie. It's his first movie jam. <laughs> <laughs> it's 1988. I'm slow dancing at St. Pat's High School. Much music video dance. I'm going to cut it. <laughs> that really wet keyboard sound. <laughs> yeah. My mom's stuck in her seatbelt just like, Fuck. <laughs> She's like, and I guess it was like, it's the whole thing is not only is it like, (laughs) you're stuck in the car waiting for the cops or whoever to open it, so like, then you're thinking like, 
well, this isn't what I wanted to have on, and it's really loud. So <laughs> the cops whoever are like, gets Aw. here, the cops are like, yeah, that so I wanted. Phil Collins lover in car accident. Like, no, like, I, yeah, that's no. Man. Like, if something terrible were to happen <laughs> to her and she had to survive, like, they'd want to play it. Like, At oh, least you should play she had a song. groovy kind of love. No, no. I don't want that to be my legacy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Beryl wasn't feeling it, and it was really upsetting. With the cheesy jam drums. The big reverb delay. Um, I didn't know Genesis replaced Phil Collins after he left. And they replaced him with a guy named Ray. <laughs> yeah, how'd that go? Ray Wilson. They weren't. They had one album called not. "Calling All Stations." Listen to this quote: "The commercial failure of the album led to a group hiatus. They yeah, reunited like for the Turn It On Again in tour in 2007, and again in 2021 for the last Domino tour." Which I saw that one. I saw the last Domino. What? Or no, not this one coming up. The one that, uh, the last tour they did in the, like seven years ago. You like when they're like, that's it. The fu-. Yeah, I saw at, uh, at, uh, when they first had, uh, TFC field there. You did? Yeah. And how it was it? Great, but it was okay. They were kind of chopping through the old stuff a bit to the point where I was like, man, this ain't like it used to be. And that was their last tour. And I thought that was it. So is Phil still singing? Well, he couldn't He couldn't play anymore because uh, his back was uh, in such trouble. I guess the position where you sit was so painful that he couldn't play comfortably. So now his kid's playing drums. So he's just out there singing. So it's all good. He had some type of um, a physical challenge with his arms too, didn't he? Yeah, I guess that the like I said, the position that uh, holding the sticks in that way just would would set off nerve pain, which is awful. Awful. Mm-hmm. But you can't deny what he accomplished. No, like he's I said, obviously he just a came- hit maker. For sure, man. And, you know, the guy's got how castles all over the world and deserves everything he has because he uh, took something and took it a different way, but it, it was super successful. So, yeah, can't fault him on that. According to this article, sure. Phil Collins widely credits Peter Gabriel as being far more intellectual than he was. And so Phil just took it to Main Street. Yeah, I guess because he, he couldn't... F- Fake it, so it makes sense. He did what came uh, easier to him, something that he could understand. But just the fact that uh, he was just playing drums, not even really singing at all, and then boom, crushing like and a great singer too, not just some whatever salad. Like to to sing, Peter Gabriel has such a distinct style of voice, and like his range is so different and. It's like it sounds low and high almost at the sound same time, and for I'm sure they were trying to find something that was similar, and and 
Phil Collins somehow is it, it fills that void of of being kind of close in the, in regard to it, but also completely different. Peter Gabriel so, yeah. is uh, someone whose voice can punch me right in the heart. Like I have yeah. four versions of In Your Eyes on my iTunes, <laughs> and I can listen to all four back to back. The best, well, the best concert I think I've ever seen was that Secret World tour no way yeah you saw it that was insane yeah well i had I, I had front row seats and backstage passes wow because wild t tony springer was playing with david bowie at that time and so he got passes through that connection like whatever manager whatever person that was handling bowie so did you and Wild T go to the concert together? <laughs> and Eric Lawrence, the uh, OLP manager. Really? Yeah, we all went. And it was literally on the on the front row. And Manu Kache was playing, one of my favorite drummers ever. He's amazing. And uh, Paula Cole was singing backup. She did all the all the, the vocals. Isn't she, she the, great. I don't want to wait, math? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was crushing it. So would she so do? The be- would she do? Um, Tony Don't Levin, give up? you know, yeah, yeah. She did the female so part. To- wow. Yeah, and nails it. Nailed it. Every everything was amazing. But uh, Tony Levin, you know, the mustache bald mask with the big. He, he rocks those things on his fingers when he plays. Sometimes. What instrument we, does he you ever play? See him with bass. You ever see him like rock the hammers? No. I think he'll. Yeah, man pretty crazy like he puts the things on his fingers and it's like it's kind of like more i guess it's like playing slap kind of but different Mm -hmm. anyway the um the instrumentation is oh yeah there he is wow (laughs) oh is he rocking the thing mr clean meets um freddie mercury looking mad totally for sure is that a chapman stick what's he playing yeah he plays chapman stick too which is like uh, kind of more like f- pressing frets. So it's kind of like, you know, when you see Eddie Van Halen doing the two-handed stuff, the Chapman stick is kind of that concept. They sound great. Glue Leg, they had a Chapman stick, Carlos. When they Remember Glue Leg, Canadian yeah. band from the 90s? Yeah. <clears throat> the great Bob Makowitz on trumpet back then. Really? He was actually in Glue Leg, yeah, Chris Simpson, Ruben, a bunch of good dudes came out of that uh, crew, but uh, yeah, they, they, I think they're doing something again, they might be playing, uh, putting out a record or doing something, they, they're off, they were uh, another Toronto band back in the day that uh, was was good friends, same, well, like we were at the same rehearsal space and stuff. If we're talking uh, Chapman Stick bands, there's a band, um, Newfoundlanders mostly, but they lived in Halifax called Rollins Cross, and Brian Byrne played the Chapman Stick in that band. Um, I love those Newfoundlanders who, like, everyone plays, they play a Boren, they play a Tin Whistle, they play a bit (laughs) of Fiddle, they play the Squeeze Box, like, everyone just trading stuff and ripping. They just add add some rhythm somewhere on something, whatever works. Yeah. Just hand, hand me that fucking thing over there and give me that jug. Yeah, give me the pipe wrench you know, and like, the milk jug. <laughs> That's how it is, right? You see two guys playing pots 
Another guy is blowing into a bottle. Just crushing it. You know the bottle reps? Sounds like freaking Ian Anderson or fucking, yeah, Styles. Bottle reps. You know what this track needs is some bottle rips. <laughs> Let's do a bottle rip pass right quick. His lips are just burning. You know, like when you see the one lip flying around. Well, speaking of lips flying around, how Sounds gacked up good. was the horn section in Susudio? <laughs> and the bass. I don't remember that the bass in Susudio. <laughs> yeah, it's like don't stand, don't burn it, burn it out. Cue up the studio. That's Lee. That's that's Lee Sklar on on that on bass. Yeah, let me hear the studio. I want to hear the bass line. <laughs> the bass line and we didn't start the fire is ridiculous, and the bass line in the studio is too. <laughs> Here I'm getting it up. Ba- ba- da- 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 it's kind of like the power station vibes. Robert Palmer a bit. With the horns. Like taste yourselves, horns. You gotta hear that bass. It's like so rhythmic. It's crazy. <laughs> like way overzealous. Yeah. Yeah. We can't oh, physically man. play any faster. <laughs> well, I mean, that must be, it's got to be one of those crack horn sections that just like, you know, like, oh, I did the Chicago for a bit and then I did some power station or it's just those guys alone. So they bring those session people in like, yeah, just come in for three hours and lay it down. Well, whatever, yeah, they're in, like, the record plant in L.A., and they just come in for two days and just burrow through everything. That's the best. <laughs> Jeremy, this is something I was thinking about the other day. How do you, how do you not play stadiums when you're coming out with that kind of I know. pounding? This is something I was thinking Sorry, about the other ahead. day. Since we've been, like, sort of... Um, uh, hit the pause button in terms of social engagements in the last year or so. Who are the bands that you always wanted to see but never did? Like, do you have a they're list? they're not around? Well, it doesn't matter. Around or not around. But I guess uh, <clears throat> extra points for around. Well, there's lots of bands that I haven't seen that I'd like to see. Um, like, a, a lot of... Uh, like a lot of uh, jazz bands right now. Like I'd like to see Brian Blade. I've never seen him. That would be horny. <laughs> I don't know I'd who that is. <laughs> it's a wicked drummer. I think he's the best drummer there is because he plays like all the greats. 
And I've never seen him make a mistake ever. And he's just one of those guys who's playing what's coming off top of his head. But uh, it's it's like it's it's like playing something on the top off the top of your head, but what you're saying is uh, thought thought out. You know what I mean? Like it's all everything that he's bringing to the table it sounds like it's just one after the other and it is it's like a kind of unconscious thread of feeling and vibe like uh style and uh, you're playing a groove and you're just kind of continuing on on that line and you're improvising but that improvisation has all been worked on so much that it's kind of more like a structured sentence as opposed to you know what I mean? Like it's you're a few of those words in the structured sentence are thought before and done. It just just comes out so clean. So would you say it's most drummers so... you've seen make mistakes? Well, yeah, everybody makes mistakes. I just I've never I mean, like even especially when you're ripping in in uh, in jazz. Like it's it, it's. Uh, you're kind of almost pushing it so hard that it's un- impossible not to at least make some kind of uh, indecisive or strokes that don't hit properly or whatever. But overall, um, just Brian Brian Blade just brings it on a a really high level every single time, and it's always like, "Wow, I wish I'd thought of that." Wow, I wish I could do that (laughs) you know what i mean there's drummers that play really fast and can do stuff that i don't even know what's going on but honestly that doesn't appeal to me as much as seeing what's there and stuff that's achievable but it's uh just happening so constantly like it's like it's like the best of the best all the time you know what i mean you know what I mean? It just uh, it, it's it doesn't have to be super complicated. It's more like the the funky thought patterns or the 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 uh, the 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 way that he changes rhythms up. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's just it's just uh, really interesting and smart and witty and like just everything. Every drummer that listens to the pod right now is um, hitting pause and going to YouTube and doing a deep dive on Brian Blade. Oh yeah. <laughs> Have you ever met him? Blade on. No. No. Where's he from? Just a big fan. I think he's from like New Orleans. But he's uh just a fantastic drummer. Odasku. Oh, yeah. I've been trying to drop lots of Odaskus into conversation das-ku? with the girls. Odasku. Oh, how does that go over? They love it or just? Uh, it depends on are the they day. They starting to say it. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. O d a s c o o. Oh, that's cool. Um, <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking of my kids the other day. I saw a guy who looked like uh, like Encino Man styles. <laughs> like, was that the, the picture cave, you posted like in Barry? No, no, this was different. Who's this the was guy in the guy underwear in Barry? Oh, that, that jet sent me that. Like that's an actual person walking down the actual street. What's well, it's gang, I guess, because you see one guy who's got nothing on but shoes, underwear, 
and like a hey mate hat like would you get your paper <laughs> like he's got a newsies hat on <laughs> and he's burling like the that's the most like in front guy and he's just walking like he's talk he's got a real kind of a stomp going walking because he's got the black boots and the black underwear and the hey mate hat like where are they going and then, no, but then, then there's another guy to the left of him, and he's like, it looks like, you know, the typical shaved head, skinny mask, wearing, mm-hmm. always wearing a tank top in the summertime, has a banana seat bike with the back, big back wheel, little <laughs> back wheel. Like, that's what he has at home, but this, this guy's walking, and he's one leg stretched out in front of the other, and he's got these throwing, throwing bombs. Like his arm is fully stretched out, and, and the other one's ready to go again. And Jet, my brother, said the guy was like, "Yeah, punching, like let's go." Like they're, they're they look like they were on their way to a fight. <laughs> well, it does beg the question: Where are they going? Well, who goes? First of all, it was chilly that day last week in Barrie. It was like twelve, thirteen degrees. The guy's got nothing on, like no clothes on. We'll have to share this pic for the pod this week because it's just like it paints a real picture, a real classic hard edge of Bayfield Street in Barrie. Is that a tough town? Well, these guys are trying to say it is. They're out there. When I was a kid, I don't know if it like tough town, but yeah, there's a lot of, in terms of, uh, when I was growing up, like there was, uh, there was kids hacking darts in grade six, yeah, grade seven, which is unheard of now. But I, uh, so like that, and there was always like someone doing drugs, and then there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of dirt balls. By the time I was in grade eight, there was it, it was kind of sketchy areas, and I was kind of thinking in high school it's probably going to be even more intense, but. There's always going to be those, uh, kind of back then, like back then it was like the dudes with the, the Iron Maiden shirt and the long hair and the leather coat and the darts and the shirt, like those guys, the headbangers that were just like getting banged up and didn't care and were like drywalling and thinking it's like thinking of quitting school or cause they had two friends that did quit school and they're making like, you know, bucks now. So yeah, those guys. I like to think of the guys in that picture as being a band and they're like psyched to go to Long and McQuaid and buy strings or something. Like, otherwise, why would you leave Throwing the house bombs? in underwear and a page boy hat from Newsies? <laughs> but the other guy's throwing bombs. I don't know. I guess he uh, wants to be a fighter. And then there's two kind of normal looking dudes behind them, which kind of like closes out the group but it's four of them canadian and they're out to get they're out to f shit up <laughs> on a bright sunny coming day. down coming down bayfield look out you um, better get on the other side of the road jeremy the bay the bayfield boys the bayfield boys the bay boys um jeremy uh i feel yeah. like even though it's kind of old news by the time this comes out we should talk about uh your maple leafs and oh, yeah, I also hey. wanted to ask if you saw the hit that Shifley laid down last night in the Jets-Habs game. 
I did, and that was uh, scary stuff. Really scary. Uh, yeah. I I don't. Yeah, I mean, first of all, the the Leafs thing. Uh, you just could sense it when it becomes. Uh, it beca- It's just as a as a, a kind of. I wouldn't say I'm a hardcore hawk, uh, hardcore fan of the Leafs at all, but I'm definitely I've grown up enough around it and appreciated and seen enough games, and I'd say I'm you know slightly fair weather to fan fan. So uh, I cheer for them, but I just I've seen so much uh, bad stuff going on since the '80s since. Since my mom had a cottage near the Ballards, and Harold Ballard. She did? Yeah, and then he was an asshole back then, and the kids were not the nicest people at the time when my mom was around there. Just real kind of whatever salad styles. So I I, uh, was aware of that kind of like... And then just the fact that Harold Ballard like really... um, he kind of perfected the blueprint of you don't have to win to to have to make money in a franchise and they won all the time and then they just stopped winning and he was like well this doesn't make any difference and he it got to the point where uh they would have like one superstar but eventually that guy would bail because he would realize this is this there's something going on here like this this team is not going to win no matter what so it was just like watching some almost like Scrooge from you know when you see the movie just one guy controlling so much and at the end of it realizing he didn't want the team to to win a cup did he prefer to have it kind of come close and then pull the shoot because he knew that people would come anyway and he proved that fact I, I guess pe- uh, knowing a winning team that, like, I'm sure through the 70s, they're like, well, they just they just won all the time, so it's going to happen any minute. But it went the other way so long that I, I still feel like now you have a telecommunications company uh, running things, and uh, I, I just don't think it's the right type of per- uh, people to be making judgment calls on uh, trying to have a winning sports franchise. It just doesn't make more... It makes more sense of looking at the numbers and trying, and now they have examples of having superstars here and nothing, no second round even. They'll be like, well, what the hell's the point? And, and uh, maybe we should go back to this other model back here, dust off the Harold Ballard thing, where it's like, it doesn't matter. We can be the Knicks. You know, like you just suck and it's fine. Just keep burling on. The thing that I I question is um, there was a lot of talk about Matthews and Marner and how much they care and Kyle Dubas and whether he blew it, all that stuff. I don't think they don't care. No. I think it becomes bigger than them when they're on the ice in their heads. Like all of a sudden, the ghost of Harold Ballard shows up. It's like you, you, if something isn't gonna happen, you can't do that anymore. You can't score score goals, Austin. Lay down, Austin. Just all of a sudden, he's out going out. 
All of a sudden, all the think pieces, they were just like uh, powering. The ghost of Harold Ballard did not come up. Ghouls were just burling in the net, just piling up, and all of a sudden they're all frozen, stopped. And it's uh, it's not just the Ballard; it's the the intensity of like of, of Toronto, and it gets worse every time they do this. It's going to go up a notch in terms of like how excited people get, and uh, it will be like a. Boston or when Chicago won like it's that kind of thing when the Leafs eventually I don't know if it'll ever happen but if they won a cup it would be bonkers in Toronto like just you you can tell in the second round third round like when the Raptors won it was insanity and it felt like that could never be uh, took into another level but if the Leafs did it would be because all, all these freaking guys would be coming out of the woodwork from, from the 60s. I knew it! <laughs> oh, everybody coming from Aurelia for the parade. With the Doug Gilmore jerseys. Oh, oh, man. We did it. I knew it! I told you! Coming from, like, all over the place. <laughs> I mean, this is an ongoing thing with... Leafs fans every well, year, yeah. but I think this year in particular, people really saw it and really thought it was happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then this slow eight-day fall from grace. Like, did they just take their foot off the gas? They were up three-one, right? I don't. Yeah. Hey, man. Same same thing happened in a sense with how you know having that lead with Boston and losing it in the last period. Like it's just. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It just goes every time. It's easier to take when they don't even finish in the playoffs. But when it seems like they're getting, they're all set, it's just, wow. So, well, I don't know. the fall from hope to heartbreak yeah. is so far. Yeah, so it's just... Um, you see, you just at this point, uh, you kind of, yeah, you coast. And then I'm like, yeah, well, that's kind of why I'm a fair weather fan. I just can't have a full investment in uh, a franchise that I just don't believe in who's running the show. How can you, you know? It's one thing to be diehard fan of the team, but like if you feel like it's uh, certain things aren't working. I don't know. It makes it a lot more difficult. It's it. It just seems like uh, uh, whatever they have in place. I don't know. I don't know if it means they have to change everything because that's what the they do anyway, and they'll get like the next best GM that was around, or the next best Shanahan in the league, or the next best. They'll just switch stuff up to the next great person that. How, oh, they only win, and then it just goes back to every. They've all done it. Every great coach, every great GM, they've come through those doors, and they go out the same way. I saw a quote, I think it was from a couple of years ago, John Tortorella talking about Joe Thornton. And I don't know what Joe Thornton said. It must have been about the Canes. And Tortorella was so mad. He's like, Joe Thornton, let me tell you something about him. He's going to be the best player in the history of the NHL who's never won anything. So I think what Joe Thorne should do is shut his mouth. (laughs) He's so salty, and I love it. Yeah. Well, that's the only uh, 
blame I, I was seeing getting thrown around in the sports talk world was Joe Thornton getting way too many minutes. And that could be true, you know. Because he uh, certainly wasn't helping when he was out there. So is your bracket with the Ricky um, and company, Is it? did it just blow up? I think I blew myself implode? up. I think, yeah, because it had the Leafs continuing on. And, that, I mean, that was kind of like a, a pipe dream. So I think I'm out for sure. I mean, there must be... Uh, I think if if I took the Leafs out of it, I probably would have had a more realistic look at it, who I thought would win, right? Because the yeah the the kind of it's just, I don't know. Like I at that time, I saw the Oilers and the Leafs doing way better. So it's one of those things. Like there's same no ex- there's, there's no explanation for the talent on the Oilers to to just all of a sudden disappear. I know. I don't know what the hell the blame is there. Is it defense again every time, always? Well, I think <clears throat> it, it, it's a pretty simple strategy. If you make McDavid and Dreisaitl take them out of the action, then uh, you kind of expose where the holes are further down the bench. Yeah. And well. I, I think they were pretty, um, pretty good at double-teaming McDavid and taking him out of it. Yeah, because it seems like... Uh... Like, it's got to be tough to have finishes like that when you're an athlete and you're so good to just, like, see stuff kind of crumble. It's difficult. But it makes makes better play out of, player out of them if they can get through yep. it and uh, keep her going for next it's, year. It's fun to watch. More like money, the, more problems. No matter who you cheer for, it's, the Habs are fun to watch. They're scrappy and... Um, the underdog is always the best place to come in because you have nothing to lose. Yeah, for sure. So they just went for it. So, hey, bud, my house is full of stuff. We got all the stuff from the auction. The, How did uh, it go? Well, we went to this place, and it's not Elton what, did John's. did you get a cube van? It's not Elton John's house. Did you get a big cube van or a passenger <laughs> van, or what did you yeah, rent to get yeah, the stuff a, out of there? Yeah, we got a, a panel van. And uh, so we got, because we didn't know, we didn't really know how big stuff was. Right. So like, you you know, when, when we got there, we realized, oh no, well the chandelier that Lisa got for, for whatever, 50 bucks, it was as big as Lisa. <laughs> Whoa. Like, literally, it, it was in, it's in the frame and the frame is like, well, now we can't, there's no way that we're going to be able to get this thing in that van can't put it on its side or anything because it's it's like uh, cut crystal so you don't want them banging into each other so we uh wendy our neighbor was nice enough to call her husband john and he brought their trailer over and so we put it on the trailer and burled like paper towels around all the crystal and it was just ridiculous to get that thing sound enough to to travel but we got it here but we t- we went on the uh, little tour. In what? It's like trans- transporting an alligator. Like, what do you put it? You put, on a trailer. But you can't just set it on the trailer. What's it? No, in? you strap you strap What's it the down. Vessel? Strap it down on a trailer, like a little. Uh, our neighbor John With, has like a little trailer that you can put like an ATV on. You know, like one that you can take yeah. drag around. One of those. 
So is it on, like, is it screwed to two by fours? Like, what, does it have a yeah, case? Yeah, well, it, had a, it you... had a full frame of two by fours on around it. Right. So it was, it was heavy just from the wood. Actually, the, the amount of two by fours, it was probably worth more than the actual <laughs> chandelier, right? These days. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're eight bucks a pop. But this house, man, like we took a little tour of this place and uh, the, the, the person that owned it uh, was a big, I guess, a donator to St. Andrew's College. So this place, it's 48,000 square feet. Is the Jeez. big? It's like Casaloma. And uh, it's, it's apparently it's going to become St. Anne's. Uh, school for girls so it's a private school in, in aurora was it a and private it, home yes Jeez, it, that's uh, two walmarts it, it's it's uh, a husband and wife and two kids and in, <clears throat> it was built eight years ago and in today's dollars 120 million bucks was what they spent on the house to build it lord so who are they i don't know who they are but the the, the uh, I've never seen a house like this in my life. I've been through some pretty big pads, but this thing, like the the uh, the, the the there was a bod there that took us through and gave us some information about like the craftsmanship, like the wood in the place was all from the same Quebec forest that the guy oh owned. Oh my gosh! So it all matched the oak. And I mean, like the walls and all up and down the staircases was all this panel oak <clears throat> and ceilings like 40, 50 feet and uh, 14 fireplaces. Each of them had like, they were all carved from one rock. Like each one was carved from one piece of rock. Like, how about that? Like, and one of them was three stories high. Like this one great room that had the a fireplace up the whole three stories like we're talking like 40 feet 40 feet high <laughs> and probably like i don't know 15 16 feet wide fireplace and it was all cut from one piece just and like a, dreaming up ways to blow your money another room it's like there was t like tapestry and the wallpaper at the top and apparently this dude got like some Tibetan monks to rock that, like and send it over. It was like, my gosh, like hand embroidered by Tibetan monks. So did any part of you think this would be a great family home? Well, I mean, it's like, imagine like, OK, I'm going up to bed. You have the option of the elevator, but or these stairs that are like. 12 people, you know, in a row could go up the, up it. That's how wide the staircases are. And Well, if they're turning the a home into a girls' school, yeah. That says how big well, it, it is. It's so it's so big that like Wendy was coming to help us uh, and she just came to look around on this this little tour that the guy gave us. Uh she like if within 30 seconds she was behind us and we just heard help. Hello, she she was lost. <laughs> she like went and did a turn to the right and didn't know where we went. So she was like, Guys, help. It's like the plate. And honestly, 
I went through maybe five, ten minutes. We didn't go downstairs. Apparently there's a huge movie theater with like a full concession stand and a whole gym. And, had and like there's the, a guy working there. Yeah. Like there's a, a popcorn employee. For sure. I don't know, man. No, no. part of me thinks that would be amazing. <laughs> and it's like the kids, okay, we're going to a movie. And obviously it's like. Whatever's playing at Cineplex is playing downstairs for sure. <laughs> it was like the, it's the craziest place I've ever seen, man. They had like onyx floors and the it, oh like, my gosh! And uh, the there was the master bedroom, right? Or what? The great the 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 great primary great room for the bedroom, and they had his bathroom closet and hers bathroom closet off the sides of it so like there was a, a, a bathroom that's bigger than our whole living room and then a closet that's bigger than our whole living room then, just off the sides of the of the bedroom the so you get your tibetan just... monk hand woven <laughs> curtains or whatever you get your oak from Quebec from the same forest like you kind of make it a project to build this thing and then you get there then what you're still like well look man it's like kids don't want to be near you everyone's kind of sitting in the kitchen I know and the the kitchen was like just everything about it was I couldn't like you know those aga stoves have you heard of yeah. those the, the, they got all the compartments and they they stay on 24 hours all the time this thing was like uh, normally there's they're just uh, like this was triple the length of a normal one of those so it was everything about the place was like well the guy that makes a stove was there for three days to put it in the actual aga guy some guy from France so it's like every single thing about the place was like no this is different so why are they selling it well, this downsizing. Day, he apparently get, uh, got it. You know, sold the place to St. Andrews College for you know obviously a great price because he was a donator of the uh, of the school and went there and his kids went there. So um, I guess that's part of it. But it that's uh, it was on probably like forty acres or something, fifty acres, and this school will be on ten of it. Like when you go off, go off the street up to the place. It's like five minute, four minute drive up this road. Like, where's the house? So really, are, they're gonna stuff. they're gonna sell off the other forty acres. Well, I guess because it's it's gonna be a school, they have to uh, format it to code, so you can't have wooden doors. And they had these massive like uh, twenty foot doors, literally twenty foot doors that would go right into the wall flush so pocket doors massive pocket doors so when you close the doors into the room they disappear so it just looks like a huge entrance just crazy stuff so why why can't they have wooden doors is that a fire safety thing or yeah something? you can't i guess you can't have flammable doors in any uh if you're a school or anything like that so you have to wow. ch changing it all over uh to whatever specifications, there also has to be like 
more severe foundation stuff so they have to add structural things and bunch of iron bars to support things better for long term or whatever just for the higher scrutiny for being a school or whatever crazy so yeah man that was quite an experience but we got some so how's uh, your huge chandelier gonna look in your new house it's gonna look great because the one it's not it's 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 not huge it's really big but it's like the one there's one there that's like pretty much similar size so it'll just be rocking in there but the uh the couches were the big banger the the ones that we scored are they velveteen well they're just like uh full-on softies and custom to the point where like they're signed on the on the uh the, the, on the under the you know when you pick up the the cushion it's like signatures of like the upholsterer the designer the, <laughs> the inspector so yeah I don't uh, us sitting on them like they're literally up in the kitchen and the kids are like hanging out there more just to sit on the couch <laughs> just to be all hanging out comfy they're ridiculous how comfortable they are I love me a couch kitchen. Yeah, so right now the place so, is just full of stuffed drapes. Lisa, so got you brought these, stuff home to your house, or you put it yeah, in storage? These like hundred pound silk drapes, you know, like the really thick ones. So when you close it in the room, it's like nighttime during the day. Yeah, yeah. So a bunch of those. We got a bunch of sconces. Uh, just some good stuff. A couple shower heads. <laughs> That's a great move, the auction. Yeah, Especially, like, man. if you have that much dough, you're like, I don't know, just get rid of it somehow. Well, Take and good we, news, we got $30,000. Uh, I don't care. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like, the, you know, we're, the place we're moving into, we need, we needed more, more couches. And uh, it's certainly a, a, a lot, you know, we spent 500 bucks for two couches as opposed to, you know, thousands. So it was a great, great move. Great move. Um, hey, there's exciting time. news in the Torrance family. What's going on, bud? Well, as you know, we have Joy and we have uh, a couple horses and we have a barn kitty. Yeah. And Indigo's been very interested in having her own pet. Um, but it has to fit in with, like, we don't want something that Joy would chase or hurt yeah. or try to eat. And we don't want something that, uh, when we go away, uh, requires additional maintenance. So we are thinking, like, I don't know, something that lives in the barn, maybe a kitten that lives in the barn, or maybe we had a Vietnamese pot-bellied pig when we were uh, on Street Sense. Mm-hmm. Um, they were kind of fun and sweet, but then you think, what does life look like down the road? Yeah. Um, so after much thinking and uh, careful thought, um, Carol pointed out Indy never asks for anything. She's very content and yeah. uh, really had her heart set on getting a little pet, which is uh, pretty common with kids. Yeah. Um, so, the newest member of the Torrance family, Chubby Sparkles, the African pygmy hedgehog, hedgehog, comes home to us on Sunday. Is that like a bigger guinea pig? I, I wouldn't say bigger. I would say they're, they're the smaller. smaller. We had one of those on Street Sense, too. Um, and it's kind of the size of a baseball. Cool. And so they are a guinea pig um, is kinda, similar, so it's in the ballpark of a guinea pig. Yeah, yeah. These guys are are spiky. They're kind of like tiny 
porcupines. Oh, cool. Um, and they're not super social, so they, <laughs> they like uh, you to hold them kind of 15 minutes twice a day. Oh. But they have body language and ways to tell you that they would like to be put down. Cool. And they're kind yeah. of um, they're kind of keep to themselves, and uh, they <laughs> are really cute and really easily neat. contained. And she's so excited. And do they live in a little little hut styles? They got a little space. Well, there's um, a lot of research online yeah, about what, what the kind of best habitat is. Um, Apparently, wire cages are not great for them uh, yeah. because they like it to be kept warm. Okay. Um, and it's hard to heat because the yeah. heat just kind of slips out through the things. So uh, a plastic bin with air holes in it is the move. Really? So we okay. got a, a three-foot plastic bin and put some air holes in it. And they need fleece on the bottom. They are uh, frequent urinators. And they have a little wheel that they run on. That's they like and, that. And uh, we're psyched. When do you, you got it? What's his name? No, again? come Sunday. Chubby Sparkles. Chubby Sparkles. Here he yep. comes. And Indy's fired up because porcupines are her favorite pets. She did a project on them last year, and so um, she's psyched. What's the, and it's uh, those decisions as parents. Like it, it, it was really something that Carol and I struggled with for weeks. Didn't struggle is the wrong word well, in the big picture, but kind of debated like how do we how do we do this? And this is the perfect solution. Well, Annalise has been asking about guinea pigs for over a year or two, so let me know. How long what's the lifespan on those little masks? Four to seven years. Which All is right. pretty manageable. So this isn't something that when she goes to university we'll be like, what do we do with the thing? <laughs> um so that's a pretty reasonable lifespan. And, um, yeah, she's really excited. And that way uh, it can live upstairs. Joy doesn't go upstairs. There won't be any, where's the hedgehog? Joy. Oh, that's good. That's awesome, man. All right. Dig it. Good job, bud. Good times. Good job, bud. Talk to you next week. <laughs>